Alrighty, guys, we're in James chapter number 5, and this is our second to last uh, study in the book of James. Next week will be our last week in James, and then I don't know where we're going from there, okay? But we'll figure it out. So uh, we're almost at the completion of James, and we get our James merit. Remember when the Rangers were, were getting their James merit? Well, um, we haven't got ours yet. But James is an amazing book. I hope you've learned a few things because it's so practical, you know? It's one thing to know to, to know a lot of stuff, but it's another thing to be able to apply stuff. And, and when it comes to James, it's just some good Christianity 101 application. How do you apply it? How does your faith change the way you live? So James chapter number 5, we're wrapping up. Again, we're still talking about temptations, but now we're talking about how to overcome temptations, how to beat temptations, basically a game plan for success, Okay. As you know, I coach football next door, and every week I try to come up with a game plan that will work, okay? Uh, Last Thursday, not so good, okay? Uh, This coming Friday, we play the number five ranked team in the entire state, so I'm a little nervous, okay? But I've got a game plan. We've got a plan, okay? Because planning to, failing to plan is really planning to fail, okay? Now, you know what? What happens on Thursday nights, what happens on Friday nights in football will soon be forgotten. But what happens in your spiritual walk is really important, okay? You can't afford to have a game like the Berwick Panthers had last Thursday night. You can't afford to lay an egg like that. You need to make sure that you are doing everything you can to accomplish some things for God. So let's look at James chapter number 5. By the way, if you'll give me 30 seconds, I've got to brag on my oldest son for just a second. Today, he uh, got the news that he has been recognized as academic all-state this year in football. I'm really, really proud of him. Give him a great big old hand. In fact, it was an honor that I, I was given some 25 years ago. Okay, and, um, you know, we still have a little wall at my mama's house with some of my trophies and plaques. That's what happens when you're an only child. Okay, and the first thing my boys noticed was, Dad, you don't have many. Okay, and I was quick to tell them back in my day, you didn't get participation trophies. Okay, you know, like I have an all state thing. I have all all offensive MVP. I have first place trophies. Again, not a lot, but but they meant something back then. How many know everybody gets a trophy now? But back back in back when we used to keep score, you only recognize winners. But um, but Hunter came to me and said, Dad, I uh, I topped you again. I said, what? (laughs) And uh, he told me about that, and I I really had a proud dad moment. So I'll tell you what's even neater than back when I got it. They just sent a plaque to the school. But nowadays, at halftime of the state championship game, they recognize all the kids that are all state. So uh, at the Superdome. So he is going to be on the floor of the Superdome. Yeah, in fact, he's the only football player at Berwick that was recognized as such. I think last year we had two of them, but he is the only person. Now, to to get that, you have to maintain a 4.0 grade point average throughout your high school career. That's a real honor, guys. That's impressive. So I just thank you for letting me brag on my son for just a second, okay? All righty. James chapter number 5. James chapter number 5. Let's begin with verse number 7. This begins the last section of the book of James, and everybody would say, Amen. A book, a book that discusses uh, the a book that discusses the temptations and trials that confront and attack us on a day to day basis. Hopefully, it's been a helpful study, very helpful. And this last section is just as helpful. Temptations and trials must be combated step by step in order to conquer them. If we want victory over temptations and trials of life, then we must combat them step by step. 
In particular, there are two steps we must take. Step one we'll talk about tonight. Be patient, endure, keep your eyes focused on the return of the Lord. And then next week, we're going to talk about how we should take each circumstance and respond properly. You notice I said respond and not react. So many times we get in trouble when we react, okay? Somebody cuts you off in traffic and you react and say, you're number one in my book, okay? Or you say some things you shouldn't say. Or let's say you're past all that, you at least think things you ought not think. You know, before we go to meddling here, you do realize that God is privy to your thoughts, Let's have a moment of silence right now, okay? You know, as I've matured, I've stopped saying what was on my mind, but I still have to make sure that my mind constantly get renewed by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So so next week, we're going to talk about responding properly, but this week, we're going to talk about patience. And that is something that I think it's a little bit comical, me teaching on, okay? Because it's something that I don't have a ton of, okay? How many patient people do we have in the house? Not a lot of hands going up. I do appreciate your honesty, okay? But you know what? We're going to look at patience in a new light today, okay? I'm not talking about if, if you're sitting at a stoplight and, and it seems like it's taking forever, or if you're at Wendy's and it seems like it's taking them forever to cook your hamburger, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a patience of consistently doing the right thing. Consistently trusting the Lord. And when we start looking at that as the definition of patience, guess what? I'm looking at some pretty patient people. Amen? So let's look at that together. Let's pray. Lord, we just love you and we praise you. I pray today that you would help us, Lord, to look at your word and and look at temptations, Lord God, and help us to overcome those temptations. Help us to keep our eyes fixed, not on our circumstances, not on what we're going through, but on you, Jesus. I just ask you to touch this teaching tonight. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody would say, Amen. James chapter number 5, let's begin with verse number 7. We'll read down through verse number 11. And the King James Version says this, Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it until he receives the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord and the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. See, the temptations and the trials of life can be terrible foes. We can go up against some very difficult times. You know, I was, I was speaking today at LJ's homegoing service and, and he lived to be 79 years old. And, and I made this statement and I think it's very true that, that I think the Lord gave him 70 or so really good years and And then when he started having some health issues five, six years ago, you know, five or six so-so years. But the last six months have been terribly, terribly difficult. And and guys, to, to answer the question, why is way above my pay grade? I wouldn't even try. What I do know, though, is sickness is not part of God's perfect will for this earth, okay? It's just a result of the fall, okay? And, and it's things that we have to live with. Now, the good news is all that pain, all that suffering, all that heartache stopped on October the 7th. 
Because that's when Brother LJ's body finally, finally wore out, but his soul and his spirit was ushered quickly into the presence of the Lord. And I promise you today, guys, he's feeling better than any of us are right now. Amen? So, so why do we go through tough times? Why do we go through those difficulties? I don't know. But I do know that you don't have to go it alone. I do know that there's somebody who wants to help you. There's somebody who's able to help you. You ever had somebody, Blaze, want to try to help you, but they really weren't much help? Okay? Like, look, let's say I came over to your house and I'm going to help you fix something. Brother Blaze, I'm probably not going to be much help. Okay? You'd rather Brother Bernie show up. Okay? He at least brings a wealth of knowledge and a bag of tools. Okay? All I bring is me. Okay? And, and, and if, unless we're tearing stuff down, I'm not going to be much help for you. Okay? Now, I'm good at tearing stuff down, and then when it comes time to repaint it at the very end, I'm pretty good then, okay? But all that time in between, I'm not your guy, okay? But, but here's the thing. God not only shows up to help, but He's able to help. He's able to do for you what you can't do for yourself. So that's why we need to look unto Him and trust Him during our trials, during our temptations. And these are some things that we need to do. Number one, be patient. For the Lord is going to come again. You see, guys, there's going to be a time where these trials and and the difficulties of this life will come to an end. You're not going to have to labor no more. You're not going to have to suffer no more. You're not going to have to go through what you're going through anymore. Be patient. Trust the Lord that He's going to work it out. Secondly, we need to be as patient as the farmer. For the Lord knows, for the Lord's coming grows near. Farmers are so patient. Farmers are so full of faith. They put a seed in the earth and they trust that God is going to bring an increase. We could learn something from the farmer. Thirdly, we need to be as patient as the prophets in their suffering. For they believed and they spoke in the name of the Lord and they kept doing right and they were trusted that blessings follow obedience. And finally, we need to be as patient as Job who suffered through trials and temptations but at the end of the book was restored to his Farmer authority. In fact, the Bible says that it was twofold. Okay? He was once this blessed, but God blessed him even more abundantly. He had so much more at the very end. It just reminds us that I, I don't think Job would ever want to go through the process again, but the end result was pretty good. You know what? I think there's seasons in our lives none of us would want to go through the process again, huh? But where you are today, Blaze, is pretty good. Wouldn't want to go through the process again. Wouldn't want to go through the the trials again. Wouldn't want to go through the fire again. But the end result, pretty good stuff. So let's look at it. The first point, verse number 7. We need to be patient, for the Lord is going to come again. Time and again, Scripture declares in no uncertain terms that Jesus Christ is going to come again and return to this earth. You know, guys, we don't talk about that as much as we should, okay? We don't talk about it as much as we need to. But it should build your faith. It should build your patience that, guys, Jesus is coming again. Christ is coming again to reward every person for His work. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. Okay? Guys, there's going to be a reward for your faith. I said that today at LJ's homegoing service. There is a reward for your faith. Paul said it in, in 2 Timothy. He said, there's now a crown laid up for me, a crown of righteousness, but not just for me, because we would all say that Paul earned that crown, didn't he? 
Paul deserved it. But he said, it's not just for me. It's for all of us that love His appearing. There's a reward for your faith. Secondly, Christ is coming again to separate the sheep from the goats. Matthew 25, 31, 32. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory and before Him shall be gathered all nations. And He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd, as a shepherd rather divides His sheep from the goats. You see, guys, sometimes we as humans, we make judgments and we make judgments based on all the information we have and we judge incorrectly. Jesus makes no such mistakes, okay? He judges rightly. Why? Because He not only sees the actions, He sees the heart. He sees our heart. And guys, the heart is so very important. That's why it's so important for us to keep our hearts pure before the Lord. Amen? Every day in prayer, I'm asking, Lord, search my heart. Lord, don't let any of this stuff of this world cling to my heart. Keep my heart pure. Psalm 51, Jesus, I mean, David said, Renew in me a, a clean spirit. Uh, purify me, Lord. Thirdly, Christ is coming again to judge the living and the dead. 2 Timothy 4 and 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, the living, and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Christ is also coming again to execute judgment upon unbelievers or the ungodly of this world. You know, sometimes we, we, we watch the news, we see what's going on, and we're like, man, it, it, folks that are doing wrong are just seemingly being blessed. They're getting away with it. Man, what, what am I doing wrong? You're not doing anything wrong, okay? God is just patient. God is just, God knows that there's going to be time of judgment, and it's coming. Jude fourteen fifteen says this, and Enoch also, the seventh from Abraham, uh, from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have, which they have committed, and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Basically, the Lord's going to come settle accounts. And then finally, Christ is coming again to judge you and I. You see, Jesus is not just coming to judge this world. He's coming to judge believers. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we believers must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he has done, whether it be good or bad. Note also what the Scriptures declare about the return of Jesus and believers. It clearly declares how believers are to live. Believers are to occupy themselves, be busy in serving the Lord until He comes. Luke nineteen thirteen. And He called His ten servants, and He delivered unto them ten pounds, and He said, Occupy till I come. Keep doing right. Keep being faithful. Keep doing what God has told you to do. Believers are also not to slack up one bit until Christ returns, 1 Corinthians 1 and 7, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be fervent in serving the Lord. Believers are also to be without spot and blemish when Christ returns, 1 Timothy 6, 14, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believers are also to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live soberly, righteously, and godly until Christ returns. Titus 2.12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope, 
the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Finally, believers are to live so as not to be ashamed when Christ returns. 1 John 2.28 And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Guys, basically it matters how we live. It really does. It matters how we live. It's not enough to just have faith. James was so clear on that right at the get-go. Faith without works is what? Dead. But when our faith turns into action, when our faith affects the way we live, then it's real, genuine faith. Now, I talked about LJ's faith today at his home-going service, and, and his faith manifested itself in many ways. It manifested itself in faithfulness to the house of God, faithfulness to his family, faithfulness to his job, faithfulness in this community. Guys, our faith needs to lead to action. So this is the whole point of the passage. We must be patient. Endure all the temptations and the trials of this life, no matter how strong and terrible the onslaught may be. We must patiently combat their enslaving power and the spirit of discouragement and defeat that can sweep over our souls before we know it. The Lord is coming, and He's going to reward or judge us. One thing is for sure, none of us want to be condemned when He returns. Therefore, how can we conquer the temptations and trials of life? How can can we overcome them and be sure of being rewarded by the Lord when He comes? There's one way and one way only. Be patient. Endure. Keep your eyes focused on the return of the Lord. Focus on the finish line. You know what, guys? I'm not much of a runner. Imagine that, okay? Pastor Ronnie is excited about moving to town, Brother Bernie, and he's looking for a running partner. I told him it ain't you and it ain't me, okay? You know, you can cheer him on when he heads out in the morning. Good luck, buddy. I told him I'd follow him in a golf cart, okay? But I'm not into running, okay? But every now and then, I'll I'll go to the track and I'll walk a little bit, and sometimes I'm feeling pretty fry, so I decide to maybe run a few straightaways. Well, here's the key to that, Amber. I fix my gaze on the finish line. Okay, I don't look right in front of me because there's a lot of steps between me and the finish line. But when I put my eyes on the finish line, Sister Garland, and I just keep going, before you know it, I've reached it. Guys, that's what it's like with our Christian walk. Don't get caught up in the day-to-day. Keep your gaze on the finish line. Keep your eyes fixed on the promise, Sister Betty. Keep your eyes fixed on the one who's kept all his promises to you. Keep your eyes on where you're heading, not where you've been, where you're heading. Fix your eyes, fix your eyes, and patiently endure and stay focused on the return of the Lord. And guess what? I think you'll finish strong. The word patience means long-suffering, bearing, suffering a long time, persevering, being constant, steadfast, enduring. This is a very special kind of patience, a spiritual patience that never gives in. It never quits. You see, when I read this definition of patience, all of a sudden, Brother Blaze, I'm a little more patient than I used to be, okay? Because I used to think patience was all about 
patience in traffic and patience, patience with others. And, and, and there's a part to that. But the spiritual patience G- James was talking about and that really matters in our walk with the Lord is just about making up your mind that you're in it for the long haul. Making up your mind that you're going to finish strong. Making up your mind that you're going to live your life hoping to hear two words and two words only. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we're focusing on. That's what James was talking about. Two significant facts need to be noted about this spiritual patience. Number one, spiritual patience is not a passive acceptance. It does not just lay back and accept trials and temptations as though they're a part of life and nothing can be done about them. Spiritual patience is an active fighting endurance that confronts trials and temptations and sets out to conquer them. Gaining the victory is the very purpose for patiently confronting and standing fast against them. The believer patiently confronts them to conquer them, not to be defeated by them. Basically, it's making up your mind that you're going to be a victor and not a victim. You need to make up your mind that you're going to win this thing, that you're on the winning team. If you have to, read the book again, okay? Read the end of the book, because we win, Don. We're on the winning team. And you make up your mind that because I'm on the winning team, I'm going to live righteously. I'm going to do right. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to win. Secondly, spiritual patience is a fruit of the Spirit. You see, when the believer faces some trial or temptation, the Holy Spirit arouses the urge to combat the situation and to conquer it. The arousal or the urge is stirred by the Spirit of God. And it's up to us to respond to the Spirit of God. It's up to us to make up our mind that we're going to fight this thing, that we're going to be victorious. This kind of patience is a spiritual patience, a work of the Holy Ghost, and it And it can be had only by trusting the Lord. Therefore, the believer must trust the Spirit of God to stir in his heart uh, uh, an endurance uh, to stand against the temptation and trial. And then he must exert his own will and energy to conquer the situation. When the Holy Spirit does his part, the believer is to do his part. Very first time I studied this, I wrote this in the margin, and it's so very, very good. This is a word from the Lord that somebody needs to hear. If we do the difficult, God will do the impossible. Let me say that again, Brother Blaze. If you do the difficult, God will do the impossible. Is it easy to overcome temptations? Nope. Is it easy to impatiently endure trials? Nope. Has it been easy for... For the chases the last six months, no, no, and no. But if you do the difficult, God does the impossible. I think it's up to us for in the church to make up our mind that we're going to do the difficult thing. We're going to trust God, in fact, and, and, and no matter what anybody else does. We're going to do the difficult thing, and we're going to believe God to do the impossible thing. You see, the believer is to patiently combat the temptation or trial when the Spirit arouses his heart. The believer is to stand fast and not to give in. Never give in when the Spirit of God prompts him. We're to stand fast to the sin or temptation, to the discouragement of the trial. We're to struggle and fight, persevere and endure, patiently suffer on and on against the trial until we win. And guys, if you don't quit, you will win. If you don't give in, you win. If you don't throw in the towel, you win. I was talking to somebody just this week and 
And I said, what if you knew? I was talking to somebody about an unsaved loved one. And um, this person was getting a little bit discouraged. And I, I understood that. I remember when I first got saved, uh, the Lord gave me a list of people to pray for, Brother Blaze. And as I began to pray for those loved ones, they got worse. <laughs> okay, I mean, they got, they got mean, okay? And, and uh, long story short, in, in 20 years, everybody on that list, I had a chance to personally lead to the Lord, except for one. And again, the Lord makes perfect judgments. That one's in the Lord's hands. But every one of those people had an opportunity to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. And every one of them did. And that's, that's just the glory of God. And, and I told this person, I said, what if God said one month from now, this person would be saved? Could you hold on that long? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, what if he said two months from now? Yeah, 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 yeah. See, she just needed a goal. She just needed to know, okay, it's right out there. I said, God's doing more than you think He is. That person is closer than you think He is. You know, I can remember leading people to the Lord, and I can remember some folks that were pretty hard, Miss Chantel. They were really stubborn, and then things happened. Remember one of my one of the, 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 the people I had a chance to lead to the Lord, he was a local bar owner, okay? Bar, <laughs> you know, Frank, okay? Yeah, uh, you, you pass his, his place every time you go to New Orleans, okay? And he was a hard nut to crack. He was, he was hard-headed. He just said, preacher, I ain't ready. But, you know, he got a diagnosis from a doctor, and all of a sudden he was ready. And on the way home, his wife called me and said, Frank says he needs to talk to the preacher. And, Blaze, I've had the privilege of leading hundreds of people to Jesus, and nobody was easier than Frank because he was ready. Guys, we just got to trust God we got to trust that God loves our loved one more than we do. That God knows our situation better than we do. And we got to patiently endure and never, ever give up. Secondly, by the way, I thought this was going to be a short teaching, but it's not. It's getting worked up. Secondly, verses 7 through 9. We need to be as patient as the farmer. For the Lord's coming draws near. The farmer is a good example of the kind of patient waiting that believers must have as they wait for the Lord's return. The farmer plants his seed and patiently waits for the rain to germinate the seed and the latter rain to ripen the, the crop. The farmer looks forward to the day of harvest with great expectation, so much so that he does all he can to protect the glorious day of harvest. He combats the trial of dry and wet weather, insects and disease, weeds and, and all these different things. He knows that a harvest is coming. Guys, we got to know that a harvest is coming. We got to believe that a harvest is coming. We got to believe that there's a harvest of righteousness in our family. We got to believe that there's a harvest coming in our church. There's a harvest coming in our community. Guys, let me tell you how good God is. We had a wonderful one accord service this past Sunday. You know, I, um, I didn't have a chance to go to our minister's me- meeting, but I was voluntold that I am going to be the speaker at the Thanksgiving service. Guess where the Thanksgiving service is this year? Bethel Pentecostal Fellowship. Let that sink in. Just one year ago at our Thanksgiving service, Pastor Marty was in that pulpit. And less than one month from today, I'll be in Pastor Marty's pulpit. That's something only God can do. God is up to something, guys. He's up to something very, very special. You know what my message is going to be on? Unity. <laughs> the moment I heard, I got a text from Pastor Mark Gowans asking what I do it. I, I, I couldn't really say no. <laughs> But immediately the Lord laid on my heart what to preach on. But the blaze, God's up to something. God's up to something in this community. God's up to something in this area. We got to believe that a harvest is coming. 
Amen? There's seasons in our lives, God. Seasons in the church. And I believe that our church is going into a season of harvest. I believe that there's been a difficult season at times. There's been difficulty in the past. There's been some some sifting recently. But I believe we're about to go into a season of harvest. I believe it. I claim it every day in this sanctuary in prayer. And I need you to believe it with me. We have to believe that God is going to bring a harvest. We need to be as patient as the farmer. A couple of scriptures for you to consider. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. Galatians 6 and 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall what? Reap if we faint not. Guys, we just got to trust God. We've got to trust God. And in the process of trusting God, we need to make sure that we don't complain, murmur, and judge others. We must not complain about our situations, our trials, and our temptations. We must not blame each other for what happens to us. This is one thing God will not tolerate. Note the Scripture. If we complain, murmur, and grumble, we shall be condemned. Guys, we ought not do that. Consider the children of Israel, how much they murmured and complained during those 40 years in the desert. Let's not be that way. Philippians 2.14, Jesus said this, do all things without, I mean, Paul said this, do all things without murmurings and disputing. Hmm. You see, our idle words reveal the motives of our heart. Be very cautious what we say. Moving on, the third thing. We need to be as patient as the prophets, verse number 10 says. Be as patient as the prophets in suffering affliction. For they believed and spoke in the name of the Lord. They didn't care what people had to say, they only cared what God had to say. They didn't really worry about the, 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 the ramifications of what they would say. They would just boldly declare what God had laid on their heart. What James is saying is this. Look at the prophets. Look at those who've gone before you. Men and women who believed and hoped in God and bore witness to God. They faced all kinds of trials and temptations, but there was a reward for their faithfulness. And there's going to be a reward for our faithfulness as well. Amen? The prophets patiently endured trials and temptations. They stood fast. They hung on to their faith in God. They combated trials and temptations every step of the way. They refused to give in and to question and moan and grumble against God. They continued to proclaim the salvation and the hope of God to this world. They continued to believe God no matter what. And God honored their faith. Consider the early church, Acts 5.41. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Romans 8.17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. We love that, don't we? So, if, so, so be that we suffer with Him, we may also be glorified together. There's a, there's, there's a, there's a reward coming your way if you'll patiently endure. And then finally, we need to show patience like Job. Be as patient as Job in suffering trials and temptations, for he saw the end of the Lord, that the Lord was full of compassion and mercy. Few people ever suffer the trials and temptations of life as much as Job suffered. 
He suffered utter bankruptcy, the loss of all his property, livestock, employees. And then in the severest blow blow of all, he lost all of his sons in an accident. In addition to all this, his wife fussed at him because he refused to curse God for destroying their lives. But note this, Job never gave in. Job never gave up. Even with some amazing friends that had come alongside to encourage him. You know, with friends like that, Job didn't need no enemies. Okay, Job went through all that, but he remained faithful. He never forsook his faith in God. He did not understand all that was happening to him, but he refused to turn against God. He stood and patiently endured, struggling to conquer all and conquer it in the name of the Lord. Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job sixteen nineteen. And now, behold, my witness is in heaven, my record is on high. Job nineteen twenty five. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. How many know your Redeemer lives? Amen? The point is this. Job kept his eyes fixed on the prize. Job kept his eyes fixed on the finish line, upon the Lord, upon his great hope in the Lord. The Lord carried Job through all his trials and temptations by blessing him with the very presence of God himself, with the compassion and mercy of God. Job endured, therefore we count him blessed. See, we as believers are to bear the afflictions of trials and temptations also by focusing our eyes upon the end. That is, upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we do, the compassion and the mercy of God will flow through us and in us. God will deliver us with His very own presence. He will deliver us through all the trials, all the temptations of this life, giving us the most victorious life imaginable. Guys, Homework for you. Go home and read Job chapter number 42. Because that's how the story ends. That's what happens to those that patiently endure. That's what happens to those who keep the faith. Matthew said it this way in Matthew 10, 22. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. James 1 and 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. And finally, James 5.11, we just read it. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy toward His children.